You are listening to Moisture Festival Podcast. Hey folks, welcome to the Moisture Festival Podcast. Number one podcast about the Moisture Festival in the universe. Absolutely, yeah. The Serbian Moisture Festival Podcast. Only one star on Apple. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> the two schmucks who host this show is my good friend across the table from me, a comedy magician, performs all over the place, including the Moisture Festival, Mr. Louis Fox. How's it going? Yeah, you can see me hosting shows at the Moisture Festival, uh, doing my hand shadow puppet act, and then the other host across the table from me is Matt. Yes, that is me. Thank you for the, those nice words, Louis. Uh, I am Matt Baker, and I do a comedy and stunt show all over the place, just like Louis, and sometimes at the Moisture Festival. There you go, yes. And we live here in Seattle, and we bring you a behind-the-scenes look at some of the performers that populate the Moisture Festival every single year. Yes, we pull back the curtain, you get to meet amazing acts like the one we have today. If you don't know what the Moisture Festival is, it's a four-week festival celebrating variety arts in the Fremont neighborhood of Seattle. The festival happens in the months of March and April, and not only do they have world-class variety acts, folks, the Moisture Fest also hosts a week of burlesque shows. That's right. And if you're listening to this during the festival, be sure to get tickets as soon as they go on sale because 95% of these shows sell out. And you can get tickets by visiting moisturefestival.org. Yeah, and be sure to check out all their social sites because throughout the year, they not only do shows during the months of March and April, throughout the year, they have multiple shows. They have been doing some virtual stuff and they have fundraising shows that you can attend and support throughout the year. Exactly. So today, we have a very talented performer for your ears. Direct from the San Francisco area, we have Bree Crabtree. She talks about living in the Vulcan, which is an artist workspace, and then about growing up as a girl juggler in high school. Yes, what it was like <laughs> to stay under wraps, <laughs> to keep her secret <laughs> hidden as a juggler from her high school classmates. It's a very Superman Clark Kent sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, we're, let's get to the interview with Bree Crabtree. Let's do it. Hey, hey, welcome to the Moisture Festival. We're really excited to have today's guest. You've seen her unique show at the Moisture Festival at events all over the United States and as far away as Dubai and France. She's part ringmaster, part clown, and all kinds of awesome. We have Brie Crabtree. Woo! Hey, Brie Crabtree. Thank you for having me on the show. Spelled with uh, B-R-I. Yes, not to be confused with the cheese. Yes, correct. <laughs> or, well, B-R-I is short for Brie. Oh, no. B-R-I-E. Nice. <laughs> it's true. You're it's like, smart. You're like, I need to free up 25% yes. of my time in signing documents. <laughs> I also shortened my name from Matt to Matt, so from two T's to one T. <laughs> We did some diving on you. I watched a ton of videos. 
You're like a combination of juggler, tons of clowning, dance, physical theater, illusion, crowd participation, mm-hmm. stand-up comedy. Uh, how would you describe what you do? I call myself a variety entertainer. And often I'll say I use magic, juggling, and silly antics. Mm. My goal is just to entertain and play with people. So whatever means necessary, uh, it doesn't even have to be with objects or juggling or magic, silly faces. I'm just trying to find connection. Yeah. Now, how did you get into this? I was a teenager. What? One One day. (laughs) Spoiler alert. (laughs) The unique life of Brie Crabtree. I was a teenager. You all might not be able to relate to this experience. I don't know what possessed me, but one day I was like, I want to learn how to juggle. And I got a book and I got the Klutz book of juggling and I learned to juggle from the book. And that just snowballed into every single other activity in the realm of variety entertainment, including uh, twisting balloon animals, face painting, magic, uh, unicycling, that all happened to me around the age of 15, 16, and then by the end of high school, I was fully immersed in it, except none of my classmates knew that. I was doing that. <laughs> I think it's best to keep that yes. quiet from the... the, the... <laughs> The high schoolers. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, there's no way I could connect in my high school with things like that with other kids. So I kind of just did it by myself in the backyard and kept it a secret. And I still get messages from people in high school just kind of amazed at what I'm doing now. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> now, were, what? You, were you doing shows at that time when you say face painting and twisting balloons? I, I- did I did have a friend whose parents ran a church and yeah we would dip in and do like a little balloon twisting skit about Noah's Ark and ah. I'm not I'm not religious myself I just kind of pounced on the opportunity to, yeah, to glom on to religion no, number one balloon <laughs> yeah. animal request at the church the crucifix <laughs> all right so you grew up in around the San Francisco area is that correct no, I'm from San Bernardino. It's about an hour and a half east of L.A. Okay. And was um, was there anybody your age that you connected with that was also doing that same stuff in the L.A. area? Uh, so it turned out my mom had a coworker, and this woman's daughter was creating a clown troupe to go into hospitals to visit children. Uh, and, uh, yeah, all of it just kind of exploded for me as a teenager in terms of I had a couple mentors in the clowning realm Mm -hmm. and then I got connected with a juggler he used to be a professional juggler his name was Roy Melanson he was a Canadian from Quebec and he happened to live in San Bernardino so my mom got us connected for juggling lessons and I would take juggling lessons once a week wow yeah supportive parents yes yeah I have the best parents who would encourage all these activities and uh, they took me to my first juggling festival at UC Santa Barbara in 2000 I believe Wow! and they just got me one of every prop you know they got me a Diablo I was so shy they would go up to groups of people and ask if I could talk to them <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
No, I don't want to pass clubs with you guys. Get my, get my was, daughter. I was so embarrassed, but I was about to go to UC Davis, and so my parents found the jugglers from UC Davis at the festival. I love how your parents are recruiting friends for you. Yeah. They're setting up playtimes with adults. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, well, meetup.com hadn't been invented yet. Yeah, I guess 2000. <laughs> I guess, you know, the, the internet presence for jug- juggling was not as strong as it is today. It probably wasn't easy to find that sort of stuff. No, yeah. No, they, they drove me, you know, four hours to go to this juggling festival. And I was so, so, so shy as a kid and a high schooler. And juggling actually is what helped boost my self-confidence and make me more sociable with people. That's amazing. Most jugglers are awkward, but it helped me. <laughs> and do your parents so still find friends for you? And <laughs> Now they live in Oregon, so you guys could go visit them. Yeah. Let, let's kind of jump forward a little bit. You were part of like a juggling thing called the Vulcan. Is that right? Uh, you know, the Vulcan has so many rumors about it. The Vulcan is a live, work, warehouse space in East Oakland. And the warehouse used to be a steel foundry, and it's now been converted into 50 units. Shifty so, or 50? 50, 50, 50, 50, 50. Okay, yeah. built out by artist units. And I've been living in the Vulcan for about 10 years now. I have a space here. Okay. Now, so the Vulcan was, was it specifically a juggler thing or just like an artist thing? Yeah. So the Vulcan is full of artists from all different niches, but I would say in like, 2010 fire spinners found this building and um Uh-oh. eventually the flow art pro- pro- uh. property values go down <laughs> insurance costs go up <laughs> eventually the flow art scene and the juggling scene merged and at that time youtube was just kind of taken off with videos and so we all just started making internet videos from this place called the vulcan and it kind of created this reputation of a little juggling mecca here on the west coast and People will come from all over and live here for a couple years. And now I'm the oldest person who stuck around. <laughs> I don't know if it's that good or bad for you. Well, I imagine being <laughs> surrounded by other artists and different in different sort of genres. It can you get inspired in a lot of different ways that you might not get inspired by if it was just a juggling yeah. place. Yeah, it's been so great for me. I've had photographers here people who build things here. And when I need something, I can usually reach out to my community here and find it. That's amazing. I think being the older person does help because it helps you keep in touch with what the younger people are doing. You're not, you know, as a performer, (laughs) you're not. now I'm the older person. (laughs) But you're not like the get off my lawn, this is the way to do it. What you kids are doing is garbage. No, because I still, before COVID, you know, I still was hosting the weekly juggling club here on Thursdays. Still hosting uh, shows. The The studio space is 800 square feet. So, And I lead uh, work in progress workshops, sessions. All kinds of community building goes on here. Now, did you, what was the transition like? You went to UC Davis and mm-hmm. you studied wildlife, fish, and conservative, uh, conservation mm-hmm. biology. <laughs> Sorry, I wrote it wrong. <laughs> conservation biology. How did you transition to becoming a professional performer? Very methodically, actually. So you can see my science background. My science is in background. <laughs> my, background my background is in science. And was working at UC Berkeley as an entomologist and taking care of bugs. 
and running projects with insects. The whole time I was living in the Vulcan, so so my social life was a little all over the place. Mm-hmm. And I had this very regular job, and I just have a huge problem with working for somebody else. Yeah. Yeah, I just have this natural instinct. I don't want to be working for somebody else. <laughs> and I eventually got a job at Flow Toys, which is a prop company. They make glow toys for mm-hmm. movement. And so that flexibility at Flow Toys allowed me to transition and take gigs. I was filling orders. This is before they blew up and got super big, but I was taking orders. I could come in late or I could come in early based around when I got gigs. And I started doing the birthday party market and small little things here and there. Um, So that job helped me transition and I tracked all my income. And then at one point I was making the same amount of money doing gigs as I was working at Flow Toys. So I quit, quit Flow Toys. Yeah. That's always the hard thing for a lot of people is leaving the steady paycheck for for performing yeah yeah you know and the performing is a steady paycheck especially here in the bay area there's just always something going on mm-hmm. and now, birthday parties are always like it to, for me it has been very steady that's awesome when did you start performing at pure 39 which is a very famous street performing location how was that and tell me about your first time going out and having to do that spot oh i got eaten alive (laughs) so many times it's a tough spot i've worked that spot before it's tough i was invited to go out there and audition they were trying to diversify their performer crowd a little bit and so i went out there and i had to completely change everything i do you know i have my Things I'm very strong at, I have very strong peace with a parasol mm-hmm. and a ring that I spin on it. And there's just no way you can open up a parasol out there. It's too yeah. windy. Yeah. And I had to completely relearn everything. And that's when I started to focus on jokes and writing and humor. And uh, with the helps of some of my peer helps, <laughs> with the help of some of my peers, <laughs> I got way stronger at the comedy and was able to keep a little crowd. But, you know, I never did enough shows where I could say that I had, I'm nowhere nowhere even near an expert on street performing. I was out there for two years and my personal schedule with private gigs just got too busy. Like it's just was not lucrative for me to go out there. Yeah. Yeah. The only reason to go out there is to get beat up by the world, and I did that for years. <laughs> yeah, well, it keeps you humble, was... right? You know, you do a great gig where everyone's laughing. You got a captive crowd inside. You walk off stage, you're like, ah, oh, I'm great. And then you go to Pure 39, you're like, man, I suck at this. It's a good reality check yeah. because it really escalated my how good I was. Yes. It really showed me. It showed me how bad I was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can really highlight your weaknesses. Yeah, those sort of and sort I... of gigs. I never even got a weekend slot out there. The peer crowd is so structured. You know, I got Tuesday morning. That's I got the prime tourist time. That's the best. I got Wednesday afternoon. Like the best show I ever got was like a Friday afternoon, maybe. Um, but that also because I wasn't available on the weekends because I was already immersed in corporate and private gig yeah, world. Totally. Now, I personally have had some run-ins with some of the performers down <laughs> down in Pure 39. Mm-hmm. They're famous for being aggressive and very territorial. Did you have any uh, weird instances 
or uh, aggressive performers coming at you? Ever since I moved to the Bay, I've been going down there to meet the performers, see what they're doing, build community connections. I already knew everybody out there. And Uh, they invited me to perform on the Crystal Geyser stage. So I, I had a more privileged entrance into that group of people. So everybody was very supportive of nice. what I was doing. And the only aggressive person people I ever met was were in the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I thought this pier first... was cooler than it was in the brochure. It looks so much better. <laughs> <laughs> On the brochure, there's a way better act. Yeah, <laughs> One of my first shows, I had a real hard time. There was a guy who's it was his 21st birthday, so he went out there to go drinking with his buddies. At noon on Tuesday? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he, in the middle of my finale, which is I'm up on a six-foot unicycle, and I'm, I'm just going to juggle clubs. I didn't even get to knives at that point. Mm. Like, that's how new I was. And I was, like, in the middle of the hat line, and he was like, hey, hey, it's my birthday. <laughs> so, you know, the entire crowd focuses over to him. <sighs> And then we sang him happy birthday. While you're on the unicycle? Yeah, I was getting tired. I bet. (laughs) Jeez. And then he tried to incite another round, and then actually the crowd turned against him. (laughs) He's like, give me more attention. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And I think that's the only time I ever used that line where you're like, oh, I remember my first drink, too. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was his 21st birthday. Yeah, so it, so it, it fits really well. That was the only time I ever used, yeah, one of those canned lines like that. Except for my pitch. My pitch is full of canned lines. <laughs> now, you have a face for clowning. It's amazing. <laughs> no, just like... No. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> they can be interpreted in many ways. But, like, you, you're very, very expressive. Like, your ability to make faces and uh, be malleable it's it's amazing to watch like like i really really enjoy your ability to clown on stage and interweave it with all the other interactions uh, what would you say is your greatest strength in performing i've gotten way better at it over the years but not caring when things go wrong and yes. being able to improvise and and just being with the audience i i think that's my most valuable skill that i continue to work on I know that I'm always going to fail on a trick. Like nothing's ever a hundred percent. When I learn something, I take it about 98%. I, I like to leave 2% for variables. And so, yeah, just being with the audience and trying to be with them yeah. is, is a skill I value a lot and try to try to bring in every show. Yeah. Well, you're great, and you are part of the World Clown Association. Yeah. What? 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 Yeah. What does I it was. take? What does it? Oh, oh you were. Oh. Did you get booted <laughs> out? I think it takes what fifty dollars a year. <laughs> Ooh, that's pricey. <laughs> I am one of those people who will uh, jump into a community and do everything. So I'll like go to the clown festivals, or I'll go to the magic festivals, or I'll go to the children entertainer conventions, or let's okay let's try mountain unicycling let's hang out with that community for a little bit so over the last 20 years 15 years that's what i've been doing and um so i got into the clown stuff right and i would go out to nevada to their conventions is that sort of how you got great at so many things like juggling clown dance 
um, by just immersing yourself in the community? Is that like your strategy of this is how I'm going to get good at this? Just Yeah, so I like to learn things on my own. And I don't think you need an institution, even though I did go to college after college. I was like, you know what? I don't I don't know if I needed that. But don't tell my mom that. Mm. Don't don't tell my student loan company that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, everything I've learned over the last 15 years is just yeah, research on my own and, and practicing and then, yes, going into the communities and finding out who knows about what and then getting them to teach me that. So all of my teaching has been a la carte, especially with clowning. Well, yeah, yeah it's great. It's great to watch. You're amazing. When I had first met you, we were chatting about uh, chapography, which is you have a little circle of felt and yes. you bend it different ways. And I have people ask me to teach them stuff all the time, but you have a way about like asking where it's not like you're asking. It's like, hey, what's up? And then chapography. You know? <laughs> nice to meet you, Louie. Chapography. You have a nice tact about doing it where I have a lot of times people will just like, yo, sucker, tell me everything you know about yeah. this. Let me know how to make more money with your show. Oh, well, I have a genuine interest in just the skill. Like, I I don't know why. I just want to get good at the skill of it. But it's like when you ask about it. I'm a serial novelist. You have a passion for it. Whether or not you'll ever do it, but you, you like, have a passion for the knowledge versus I'm just learning to do this to do it. Yeah. And now, I was on your website, and it says – and you you sell some really amazing – art so they're like women of juggling stickers and cards that are, mm -hmm. are beautiful and you know as someone who's been in the juggling world you know there is a lack of females in the industry um why why do you think that is oh i don't know there's so many there's so many like book explanations of well <laughs> psychologists have broken it down for years <laughs> Yeah, and you know, we used to talk about this all the time in the juggling community. I've been talking about it recently, but maybe lack of role models mm. or I personally feel sometimes I I get uh, slotted as a children's performer and and to be clear, I I make a large part of my income from children's entertainment. But I also do entertainment for everybody like at Pure 39 and all of those jokes are purely like set up punchline witty humor or innuendo and I've totally done runs of shows and got some negative feedback about well I think you were more appropriate for the kids mm -hmm. but like did you hear my jokes about my ex-boyfriend and I was waving a knife like are you sure <laughs> the kids so, love that yeah so that sometimes maybe I just appear more youthful and immature and a female, and I don't get the same reaction. I don't know. Hmm. Maybe how they're treated, too. Like, how maybe you might feel walking into a gym full of men, and yeah. you're like, whoa, I don't know about this. Yeah. That's actually why I've stayed away from a lot of magic conventions. I've had a lot of bad experiences interacting with hobby magicians. I'm just like, ugh, these people have no social skills. I don't even know if I want to go... But over the years, I've met the good magicians who yeah. are not super awkward. Well, they just don't have outgoing parents that go and <laughs> drive, track, <laughs> track people down to hang out with them. That project is a pet project of mine that I'd wanted to do for years. I wanted to portray diverse women juggling, like women from all different uh, ethnic and cultural backgrounds. So I've got Kana from Japan. All these people are real that are pictured on these works of art and they're all art deco inspired. Yeah. 
So Kana's from a street performer from Japan. I've got Mumu, who is from Puerto Rico. She does hats. And I've got um, Tristan, who is a clown and juggler from the Bay. So that's just kind of an ongoing project where I will be inspired by a female circus performer. And then, you know, once I get the funds, hire the artist, get the art, print the materials. And you can get these at com slash shop. Yes. And, and they, mm-hmm. they're, they're beautiful. And uh, so I want to talk about your silly circus show. And, you know, we are currently recording this during the 2020 COVID pandemic. Yes. And uh, we've all sort of had to transition from doing our live shows to uh, doing other mediums to stabilize our income. And you were on the forefront of transitioning into like virtual shows. Are you doing your silly circus show virtually? Or is it a different type of show? And how has that been for you to sort of transition to online shows? Yes, I turned the Silly Circus show into a virtual show. And in March of 2020, I realized we were all going to be stuck inside for a very, very long time. And uh, I also had parents asking me if I was doing virtual shows because, you know, I already had a whole summer of gigs mapped out. And it, it was parents and the libraries who were open to doing virtual shows. And Mm -hmm. that's when I decided to fully commit and explore how to upgrade my, my camera, my sound, how to, how to learn to work with a green screen, improve my lighting, create illusions for the green screen. I also create moving virtual backgrounds for zoom and I interact with the moving backgrounds. It's all very like off the cuff in a way So some people have a streaming show that's really polished with multiple cameras and they have a virtual studio and this and that. They might even have production assistants. I don't have any of that. I'm like just clicking with my mouse and I'm at a point where it's bringing in some income and nobody complains about the show. So so previously it wasn't bringing income and complaints. The point of the show is nonstop giggles, right? And I get nonstop giggles for 30 minutes on a Zoom call, sometimes we go to 45 minutes, whatever, whoever the audience is, sometimes I'm more flexible. Mm -hmm. So then we'll just hang out and keep playing. And in March, I changed all my keywords to to include virtual. I actually took out Google ads for virtual shows. I advertised in my parents' magazine for virtual shows. And I got published in a couple parent online articles about virtual shows. So great. Yeah. Yeah, when when I got recognition from parents' magazines of like, okay, I'm just going to try to add to the snowball and go with it. And so I'm continuing to book virtual shows, although it's decreased since school has started. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still yeah, have you're a competing with the, the public schools virtual show of math. <laughs> I I thought I was going to rest during the pandemic and I haven't really rested so I'm not too concerned about not a full schedule in October. Yeah. You're someone that's always working and kind of pushing the ball forward. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, and I, it sort of seems like I, this creativity, a lot of the best creativity is stemmed out of necessity. Seems like you've really thrived in this moment. Yeah. Yeah, having everything taken away and then wondering what to do 
Well, I, I knew what to do because I've been making silly videos for 10 years. And I'm like, oh, finally, people can see my face close up. Finally, I can do this funny thing that's too small to do on a stage. Like, I have a lot of small close-up things to do. And a Zoom show is basically a close-up interaction. Yeah. Yep. Like, I think a lot of people don't understand that. I probably should have said that in my workshop, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> your workshop that's available on your Patreon? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I did a couple, I did a Zoom workshop and it's fully recorded and you can get it on my Patreon with lecture notes. Ooh, wow. Fancy town. Which looks like it's patreon.com slash Brie Crabtree. Mm-hmm. So it's like table entertainment. You're like kind of invading someone's space a little bit, but I mean, they're there to see you. Yeah. <laughs> What's the title of your show? Invading your space. <laughs> invading your space <laughs> until you close your laptop. <laughs> My goal is 100% laptop closure. <laughs> and uh, I read on your website, hair acrobatics. Can you explain to me what's going on with the hair acrobatics? Oh, that's just from some branding exercise, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, how am I different? Well, I'm always doing tricks with my hair. I go through so many reincarnations of who I am because I still, I don't feel like I've settled on the consistent image except with the Silly Circus Show. So I know who I am in the Silly Circus Show. And for some reason, I I don't always know who I am when I'm performing on the street. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and it looks like you do a ton of different stuff. I mean, you're doing, yeah. you got the virtual elf party, you got balloon animals at churches, you know. Well, you, that was when I no, was I know, starting I just, out. I just, <laughs> I just, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you, you seems like you're a, a woman of all uh, venues. Like you have a little bit here, a little bit there, and t- all together it makes, <clears throat> you know, a pretty well-rounded, yeah. diverse skill set. Yeah, I think the only way... For me to be able to survive 100% off performance is income is to say yes to every type of gig. And so I do strolling or restaurant work or uh, company picnic or stage show or or kid's birthday or. We were curious, how did you get involved with the Moisture Festival? I've been going up to the Portland Juggling Festival for 15 years. I love it there. Mm-hmm. That's always a huge destination on my list and so I met Tim first at the Portland Juggling Festival and over the years he's seen me perform in in their renegade shows and public shows and I got connected to the moisture festival that way so close to getting to the Oregon Country Fair this summer which is the connection every moisture festival performer has <laughs> except for me not, <laughs> not everybody not everybody but a lot of people <laughs> Well, but I mean, some it, of those people saw me at the Portland show and they're like, you're great. You need to apply. And then things just fell apart. Of course. <laughs> and a good reason your parents now live in Florence. It's only 45 minutes away. So yeah. it'd be great. Yeah. Now, uh, so when you went to the Moisture Festival, did you know much about the Moisture Festival before you performed in it? Like what? Su- I had been tracking the types of performers who were there and I was really excited about uh, the diversity of people they bring in from from all kinds of countries. And the one thing I really loved about the Moisture Festival that I didn't know about was the strong sense of community of the people who build it and how, how much they took care of me while I was there. That was one thing I wasn't expecting. 
And then I was blown away by the hospitality. Yeah. You call that guy and he'll drive you to like the grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> like you were like, oh, I, I want to get a pie. And they'll be like, we're going to the pie shop. <laughs> I just want one performer to be like, I need a ride to like Kansas. <laughs> 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 okay. It's in my contract. I got to take you. <laughs> I need you to do this shady business deal under the bridge. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And so when you were there, how was, how was your experience? Did you enjoy the shows? Um, were you there? Yeah. So I love, I love variety entertainment and I've always loved variety theater since I was a teenager. So like a whole week of variety shows of people, people I've admired and looked up to over the years. Yeah, it was pure heaven being there. Yeah. I loved it. It's pretty incredible the acts and talent that they get. Mm-hmm. And uh, just like, yeah, people that I grew up watching, now I get to see five nights in a row in yeah. the city I live in is amazing. It's mm-hmm. one of those things for me is I've gotten to perform there with all my, with so many of my heroes. Like me. Like, yes. <laughs> and Bree. <laughs> and Bree. And Bree. And uh, <laughs> the zip code guy. <laughs> there were so many surprises, too. There was a unicycle guy, gosh, I can't remember his name, but he was doing slapstick with unicycle and Pratt Falls with the unicycle. That's awesome. A lot of surprise performers who I had no idea they even existed. Yeah, was there someone? because pre- they're all working. They're was all there, working yeah. professionals, that, so yeah. I don't that's see the, them. That's their challenge, right, is because they don't necessarily pay what what we all would make at a regular show. Yep. And so they do have the challenge of, you know, combating regular gigs for some of these. Mm-hmm. But they're always so great about saying, oh, we will hire you, but if you get a something that pays better, like a circus show in Australia, we no, no harm, no foul. Yeah. Take that work. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what I love about them. Yeah. So hopefully... Once this gets going, because 2020, the Moisture Festival took a break, and hopefully we'll get you back here in the future. That would be awesome. I've never seen your show. I've only watched your videos on Instagram and YouTube, which you listening at home should do also because they're hilarious. And you can get um, check you out on BreeCrabTree.com. You get the virtual parties, your virtual elf party. Yeah. Which is going year round, apparently. <laughs> it's, it's... <laughs> and then I have phillycircusshow.com. That's so, the website that I've put the most energy into recently. Silly phillycircusshow.com. Show. Yeah. And you can see your hair acrobatics, all that. You can see your calves of steel. <laughs> it's called the hair chapter. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And I did notice in your Silly Circus Show, it seemed like a lot of food related material or objects that you manipulate is that was that part of the conscious decision to use a lot of food uh well when i went out to pier 39 i uh i was like i need an apple knife chop act yeah i need an apple knife chop i don't know why i thought that but i was like i need to do this but i need to do it differently and so i created a baking routine of making apple pie Ah. that's awesome yeah so maybe that's why you see all of the the food related stuff or but just... I do have a separate passion for fake food. <laughs> this is totally separate, but I love going to thrift stores and buying fake fruit or carrots. And now I'm obsessed with foam, and now I cut food out of foam. Nice. She has an amazing cupcake she made. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Out of foam. Yeah. Okay. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> just that, like, if you're ever, if you're ever, in... if you're ever at the uh, Vulcan, <laughs> she'll make an amazing cupcake for yeah. you. 
I like curating my collection of fake fruit. <laughs> it's curated. Is there? Is there? Oh, it's curated. Yeah. Is there one that's like on the bucket list? That's like, oh man, I've been keeping my eye out for the fake eggplant or the fake, <laughs> well, you know, yeah. artichoke. What's the Mount Rushmore? What's yeah, the Mount Rushmore of your fake foods? Well, I don't have a radish. Oh. And the highlight of my collection is a potato that's just made out of like pantyhose. <laughs> And then, you know, the little eyes on a potato, they're like little stitch. Oh, that's oh, nice. That's, fun. that's great. Isn't that? I found that at a thrift store. <laughs> really? It was just old pantyhose balled up. <laughs> it was used in a robbery. <laughs> she had, now has uh, evidence for a crime. Uh, if you have supplemental materials, I'll send you photos. <laughs> Well, uh, we would like to thank you so much. Again, BreeCrabTree.com, SillyCircusShow.com, so you can support her on Patreon, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. She has these amazing uh, kit, like kittens holding juggling club, enamel pins, T-shirt stickers, tote bags. You get the women of juggling stickers and cards on her site. It's, uh, it's amazing. You're fantastic, and I'm looking forward to following your career and seeing you at the Moisture Festival again. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for chatting Thanks with us. Thanks for the interview. This was super fun. Yeah, thank you, Bree. We want to thank you for listening to the Moisture Festival podcast. If you haven't bought tickets yet for the festival, you can do that at moisturefestival.org. You can also find out information about volunteering or supporting it financially as well. Just click on the contribute button. You can also find Moisture Festival. They are on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube if you want to check out more details on any of those social network sites. If you want to find out more information on Louie and I, we do a podcast together that is completely different than this podcast and it is called the odd and off beat podcast and you can find that on any platform that you get your podcasts at if you would like to find out information on louis and i's shows you can do so by visiting louis site which is louis fox with two x's Dot com. And Matt Baker's site, ComedyStuntShow.com, spelt the way you would expect it to be spelled. Yes. And we want to thank all the volunteers, performers, sponsors, donors, board members, producers of the Moisture Festival for helping make this thing happen. Absolutely. A lot of moving parts, and they do a wonderful job at creating a very unique experience that you cannot get anywhere else. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Moisture Festival Podcast, and stay moist.